We have been spending our time in the Sunday mornings looking at Solomon sitting his son down and explaining to him really his experiences and wisdom of life so that his son will learn how to walk wisely in his decisions and that so he will be able to be pleasing in the sight of God. This morning, we're going to notice that Solomon, he, he spends some th- time on things that we noted last week are rather unconventional. Uh, you don't suppose you woke up last week and thought I was going to talk about laziness. And today we're going to talk about your friends and your neighbors. And Solomon spends a lot of time speaking to his son and telling him it is very important uh, concerning who he spends his time with. And I think Solomon tries to explain to his son, and we perhaps realize this truth, that who we spend our time with really does make or break us because the people that we spend time with change us. Uh, I dare say there would be anybody here who could hold up their hand who is married and say, my spouse hasn't changed me at all. (laughs) That's just not possible. The people that we spend the most time with, we adapt toward and we become like them. And in a marriage, our spouse becomes more like us. We become more like them. And with our friends and relationships, the same thing happens. And we cannot help that. And we may say things that we've never said before, but because these are people that we've spent time with, uh, they say these things. I remember when I went to Florida College, I never said the word stink. He was like, no, why would you say stink as an exclamation? Well, because I had sweet mates who all ran around saying stink, and so that's how I started saying stink. And I thankfully don't say stink anymore because I'm not around my college friends. And it's simple things like that, from things that, that are not harmful to things that may be very bad habits, the people that we are around affect us, and they change us and mold us. As much as we may try to fight against it, we have to recognize the influence. And that's what Solomon is doing with his son as he uh, speaks of these Proverbs and tries to tell them about yet he needs to be very careful. Let's start with the problem of evil friends. Because really one of the, the glaring points that Solomon really wants his son to understand is that when you are with them, you will become like them. And, and we just cannot really help that the, the people that we spend the most time with, we really do uh, develop a lot of their sayings and, and develop a lot of their characteristics. And, and perhaps the most important thing to watch out for is that we develop similar values as them. Uh, the more we spend time with them and, and they speak about uh, various aspects of morality, or various aspects of virtues and values, we can also adopt that same kind of thinking. And that is a danger that Solomon puts his finger onto his son. Whoever walks with the wise, <clears throat> excuse me, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. But the companion of fools will suffer harm. And I really do like the Proverbs where Solomon does not say the implicit obvious converse to the original part of the phrase, which is, whoever walks with the wise will become wise, 
and whoever walks with fools will be a fool, right? Or something like that. That that would be the natural implication there. And you're supposed to do that in your mind, that you realize if you spend time with wise people, of course, you will become more like them. If you spend time with fools, you'll become more like them. But notice that's not what he says explicitly. His son's supposed to, I think, make that mental connection in his mind. But he tells him instead, the companion of fools will suffer harm. It is not only that you become like them, but that you're going to be hurt having those relationships. You're going to really get hurt being around fools. People who are not making wise decisions. It's going to hurt you. And as much as we like to think our decisions are only self-inflicting upon ourselves... uh, It's just not true. And that everybody nearby us reaps the consequences and rewards if we make good decisions, but the consequences of the bad decisions we make. And notice the implicit converse of the last sentence, if the companion of fools suffers hard, guess what? The companions of the wise do not. (laughs) And that's what's going on in this proverb. The wise will become wise. Spend your time with the wise, you will become wise. Spend your time with the fools, you will become like them too. And if you spend your time with fools, my son, you're going to experience troubles. You're going to experience disaster. You're going to suffer harm. Spend your time with the wise, and you will not. And that's what kind of falls, in, as, as Solomon says, these as, as dominoes, if you will. Uh, we receive bad advice from them. Why not spend time with with these friends, with these companions? Why not spend time with, with these people who do not have uh, the same moral outlook and virtuous outlook toward God and in life? Well, because many times the advice that they are going to give you and the discussions you are going to have with them is not going to be sound advice. Uh, the things that they're going to instruct you and guide you in is actually going down the wrong road. And that's why we see here, here Solomon says the righteous chooses his friends carefully. Uh, that's a really important sentence right there. The, the, the righteous are not haphazard in who their close companions are. They are very careful and very thoughtful. And it's a very meticulous decision as to who you spend your time with and who you would call as a friend. Because the way of the wicked leads them astray. You choose to make friends with those who are going to pull you in the wrong direction. That's going to be very hard for you to stand up against. And especially the younger you are, the even more difficult that challenge is. And so he says, you need to be really careful about who you pick out your friends to be. And I will be so bold as to sound like your parents. (laughs) And say, obviously, choose your friends carefully because they're not really your friends if they're pulling you down the wrong direction. If they're trying to make you do things that are immoral, that are not virtuous, that do not have godliness in them, then they're not your friends. Friends wouldn't do that. And that's what Solomon says to us. So you be careful who you pick to be your friend because we are so influenced by them. And we often are so concerned about what that person thinks. And, well, what will they think of me if I stand up to them and say, well... You're being a fool for making that decision. Well, you'll get some, some grief for that. 
And so Solomon warns his son, be careful about that. And the warning, you're going to find trouble. As we notice, the fool suffers harm in Proverbs 13.20. He spends a little bit more time with it in chapter 24 in verses 1 and 2. Do not envy wicked men. Do not desire their company. For their hearts plot violence, and their lips talk about making trouble. Here is, after giving a warning about choose your friends carefully, he also then says, you know, don't envy them. You know, I remember doing that in school. There was that, you know, I wasn't like on the way out crowd, but I wasn't in like the real cool crowd. <laughs> I was kind of in that middle ground somewhere, you know, where nobody didn't all think you were dumb, but they didn't think you were the greatest. You know, and, and you envied those people who, boy, everybody wanted to be their friend, right? You're like, oh, they had it made. They walked down the hallways and everybody just cleared out, you know. And, oh, wow, these are the, the most wonderful people. And I, I don't know why we envy that. We, we really do that when we're young, but we don't always get away from that when we get older and we, we see people and we go, well, I wish I, I, when we were with them and my life was like theirs. And, and here he says, you know, don't envy them. Why? Because their life is a disaster, is really what he says. Look what they're doing in their life. They're plotting to do evil. You don't want to be a part of that. The things that they do, the decisions that they make, you don't want any piece of that. Realize that, my son. Look carefully at the decisions that they make. You don't want to be friends with them. And that's, that's what we have to have in our minds. And I hope we, we try to instill that in our children. Is not, well, one, yes, don't envy them. But you don't want to be their friend even if they asked. As much as you sit there and think, oh, I want to be around them. If they ask, you should say, no, I don't want to be part of that. What is the big deal about being around them? La-di-da. What are they doing? Their hearts are plotting violence. So let's talk about making trouble. That's what makes them the in crowd. That's what makes them seem so wonderful and everybody chases after them. You don't want to be their friend. And Solomon is giving the warning to his son. He's saying, my son, don't follow after them. Don't envy them. Don't choose them to be your friends. It's going to bring trouble. They are going to cause trouble. Their life is speaking about trouble. Do not do that. Rather, realize the benefits of having righteous friends. This is the contrast now that Solomon is really trying to instill in his son. Realize what good things can happen in your life if you choose good friends for yourself. If you will pick out people who will be godly, who do mirror those moral, spiritual values. You look at the things that can happen. The first thing that he tells them is you will have friends in your darkest hour. And this is an important proverb that Solomon teaches his son. A man with many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. This is a very good proverb because you can have handfuls upon handfuls of friends. You only know who your friend is is when you crash and burn in life. That's when you find out who really cares. And that's what the proverb is getting at. You can go make all of these superficial companions and friends. So what? Here is somebody who has many companions. You know, somebody that we just saw in the last part, you would envy. Look at all the friends that they have. Everybody wants to be their friend. They, They are just so part of the crowd, and I want to be part of that. And he says, they don't have anything. 
Choose your friends wisely and you will have friends that will last forever. That will last through thick and thin. Through even the greatest difficulties. Love this that it says even closer than family you can have kinds of friends. Closer than a brother. And I think that's, that's really interesting to see. We can develop those kind of relationships with, our, with one another amongst those who have the same kind of values and cares about God. Here he says, they stick closer to you than all of these other people who we want to spend so much time with. A friend loves at all times. Emblazon that into your mind. A friend loves at all times. Regardless of what happens, regardless of what life deals you, a real friend loves at all times and will be there at all times. And not only when the things are good, a brother is born for adversity. This is the other part of that. A real friend sees the opportunity that you need help and comes to your aid. Those are the kind of people we should want to spend our time with. And why we so often don't want to spend our time with these kind of people, but rather these other people in the world who, who seem to be very superficial, but you know they have stuff and they've got things and they're you know thought of really well. Those are the people we want to be around, and we see that on TV. I lo- always love it, especially the reality shows that I always get, get a kick out of The Apprentice one because you know all of these people who sign up for this thing, it is just such a big deal that they can rub elbows with Mr. Trump and who, who wouldn't want to spend 12 weeks around him. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> no. Who cares? I want real relationships. I don't want superficial relationships. It's a waste of time. And that's what Solomon is telling his son is realize this. Realize the reality of the situation. You want people who are going to be there when trouble strikes and help you. So many friends will be there. And kick you while you're down. Job's three friends are an excellent example of that. Here are Job's three friends who he probably thought when they were first coming up, oh, relief at last. My three friends who have traveled a long way have come to encourage me and help me. And right out of the gates of chapter 3 of Job, they tear him up for nearly 30 chapters about what he's done wrong. That's not a real friend. One of my favorite statements by Job. Miserable comforters are you all. (laughs) A real friend helps in adversity. And that's what we need to look for. That's the benefits of choosing righteous friends. Our life will be better. We noticed that already in 1320. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. The implicit is that does not suffer harm. Let me give you another proverb with it. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Here's the benefits of of righteous friends. Is that you become a better person. If you and I, if we accept and realize, we become like the people we are around. We just use the example of marriage. We become more like them, they become more like us. With our longtime friends, we become like them, they become like us. We pick up their sayings, we pick up their habits, we, we become like them. Then why not choose righteous friends because you will become like them. If you surround yourself with godly righteous people, guess what? It will be easier for you to be a godly righteous person. 
If you spend all of your time with ungodly, unrighteous, problematic people, you will become an unrighteous, ungodly, problematic person. And that's what he's just pointing out. Iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. One of the the tremendous, important, so important purposes of why we come together that we so often forget this is we, we, we place, rightly so, the importance that we are praising and worshiping God. But why didn't God just say, everybody worship me at home, and you all sing your songs at home, and every Sunday morning you sing, and you get the fruit of the vine, and you take the Lord's Supper, and you read your Bibles. Why didn't He just say, do it all at home all by yourself? Because you know, it would just be a lot more convenient. Because iron sharpens iron, and one person sharpens another. Because we build each other up and we're supposed to help each other become the Christians that God wants us to be. And the only way to do that is to spend lots of time together. And that's what he's saying. You spend lots of time in the world, you become like the world. You spend lots of time with the people of God and you become more like the people of God. And so it's such an important proverb that we see Solomon explaining to his son. And so we need to choose righteous friends. Now, what I want to spend our last few minutes talking about then this morning. All right, I want to have righteous friends. I need to have godly companions. I need not to have the worldly ones who are going to affect me and influence me in a, in a, in a bad way, in a way that's not in the way of God. How do I not only then get those righteous friends, but how do I maintain those relationships? You know, Solomon spends a lot of time with that in his son. You know, having friendship isn't an easy thing to do. You don't just, you know, walk up to somebody and hear, oh, I'd like to be your friend today. Okay, now we're, now we're best buds. It doesn't work that way. How do we have friendships and how do we maintain good godly friendships that God has, has called us to have? And the first thing I would say is always, always, always watch your words. I think I'll say it every Sunday. My favorite proverb is another favorite proverb. This, this is a great one. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death. So is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, was I not joking? Ah, love that one. You've never had anybody insult you and then say, oh, I was just kidding. You've never had that happen to you, right? <laughs> That's usually our escape hatch, right? Whoops! I said something. I was just kidding. I was just kidding. Watch your words. Have you ever noticed that the person who tells you, oh, you know, I didn't mean it, I was just kidding, it doesn't take away one bit of the damage that those words did. It doesn't alleviate the pain one bit, even though you may say, I was just kidding. And maybe you even did mean it as a joke. It doesn't take away the pain. You don't sit there and go, oh, that feels so much better. Thank you for insulting me like that. It doesn't. It just doesn't. And so what Solomon is saying to his son is you want to have good friends. You want to have righteous companions. You be careful what you say. And you and I have to be very careful what we say. Too often we get out of line by thinking it's okay to joke to an extreme of sorts. And we have to be careful about that. You and I have experienced where people 
seem to be joking, but there is an intended barb that comes along behind it. That, yes, they are kidding, but they meant something by bringing it up in the first place. We be careful. Sometimes we do that to each other, and we think we're being just jolly and frivolous, but don't realize that that's exactly what we're attempting to do. And so we have to be very careful about our words. And the point is, even if you think you're joking, and even if I think I'm joking, if the comedy involves saying something hurtful, don't say it. If that's what the joke is, is to say something that's hurtful, then don't even say it. And that's what we're going to notice in, in these, these proverbs, is that we say something like that and we cause a tremendous amount of damage and we don't realize that we've done something like that. Be careful with your words. Don't you like the description of madman? <laughs> like a madman throwing fire and arrows. That's, that's what you want. Careful. Also be considerate. You want to maintain godly companions. You want to have righteous friends. One, be careful what you say. Watch your words carefully. And then always be considerate. My dad had to teach me this one uh, because I kept calling a girl that I liked in high school too much. (laughs) So he pulled this one out on me. Seldom set foot in your neighbor's house. Otherwise, he'll get sick of you and hate you. (laughs) I try to call her constantly, constantly. Poor sap boy. (laughs) Dad said... That's not going to work. Look at this proverb. Seldom set foot in your neighbor's house. Otherwise, you can get sick of you and hate you. We need to be really careful and be considerate uh, toward one another. And what's interesting about this is I don't know that this proverb literally works today because back then they didn't have phone and email and all that stuff because we don't set foot in each other's house. We just call people all the time. And I am them all the time and email them all the time. We we have other ways of harassment today. (laughs) So, you know, I don't set foot in their house. Well, let's take the technological advances and apply it. That, be careful, you can wear out the relationship through phone and email and IM and text messaging and whatever else uh, electronic you can get your hands on. Beware of that. Seldom set foot in your neighbor's house. Be considerate. Be considerate of other people's time. And, and that's, that's a difficulty. Realize you have things to do in your life. That obviously means other people have things that they have to do in their lives. And so be considerate of their time and not to uh, occupy that all the time. Same thing here, Proverbs twenty-seven fourteen. He who blesses his friend with a loud voice rising early in the morning, it will be counted a curse to him. I appreciate this one, not only because I don't like waking up early, but because here you have somebody who does have the best intentions of the other person. They're not rising up and cursing them early in the morning. They're blessing them. Oh, what a wonderful person they are. But they're doing it in a way that's aggravating to the person he's blessing. So it's not received in the proper way. This person would stand back and say, oh, well, I was only trying to help but the other person doesn't receive it as help. The other person receives it as this grating noise, as this person is blessing early in the morning. The point is, when you want to help somebody, you want to be a friend towards somebody, don't do what you think would be good. Do what you know they would like to have happen. You see, this person thinks it would be good to have be shouting in the early morning. Don't, don't do that. Do what they would like to have done to them. 
And so often we try to help one another and do things for one another by doing what we would want done to us, but we don't necessarily, that person doesn't necessarily want it that way. They would rather have help in other ways. And we need to be cognizant of that. And we need to be careful that sometimes our friendship gets taken as enemy because we're not doing things the way that they receive it that way. So think about what they would want. Ask them how they would want it. That's the best way. You want to help somebody? Ask them. Can I do this? Would that be useful to you? Instead of just merely assuming. And so to maintain godly companions, we need to be considerate. I think this is good as well. Forgive and not gossip. This is, this is a, a challenge when it comes to uh, offenses that we have toward one another. Notice what, what Solomon says. He who covers over an offense promotes love. But whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Now there's two parts of this proverb that are, that are challenging. The first part is being able to co- cover over the offense. That's, that's, that's challenge one of what, what Solomon describes here. And, and, and that's a hard thing to do. You know, and if somebody does something, I will tell you, yeah, I want to go knock their lights out, right? You know, <laughs> you have, that's, that's, a, that's a natural reaction. And here Solomon is saying we have to be careful. And we are to try to seek out the best interests of other people. And that's, that's hard. Generally speaking, you and I need to try to assume the best out of people and not the worst. And what I mean by that is sometimes things were innocently done towards you that weren't intended that way. Uh, you know, I can think of that with one of my friends when I was uh, younger. Man, and I, I about blew that relationship right up. <laughs> Poor guy. I mean, I, I felt real bad about that and did some things I, I shouldn't have shouldn't have done. He was kind enough to say, you know, I will let it go, and that that's a, that that promotes the relationship. He had the ability to say that's the end. And we would have never been friends again. We've been friends since we were four years old. <laughs> and it took a lot for him to say, you know, that, that, that's all right. And we, we were able to move on in that. Sometimes we assume the worst out of people. That what somebody has done, that they had the worst intentions at heart. And sometimes that's justifiable. We will have enemies in life. There are people who do try to hurt us. Uh, and that we have to understand that. But like talking amongst our brethren. We're usually not in the worst interests of each other. We usually say things we shouldn't have said. We usually do things we shouldn't have done. And we need to assume the best and not the worst. So cover over the offense to be able to let it go and to be able to move on. The second part is the next hard part. I do something against Mark and Mark goes tell Richard, Ed, and everybody else that, well, you don't believe that's what that stinker did to me. That's the second hard part of it is to cover over to say I let it go and then to really let it go. Because realize what's being stated here is by repeating the matter, that separates close friends. That does destroy the relationship. And I think we need to be very careful and recognize what Solomon is saying here. In close relationships and close friends and you say something to me about something and I turn around and go 
tell them, somebody else, or you do something that you shouldn't have done. And I say, oh, it's okay. Thank you for coming to me and explaining that. And then I still go tell everybody else. Separates close friends. You, you did not promote love. And I think that's very important in our relationships with one another to realize that that's what's going to happen. If we are supposed to take care of our matters one toward another. And so I come to you and say, I'm real sorry about this, and I apologize, and then you go tell 50 other people about it, and we're not going to have a good friendship. That's just what happens is there's a separation of friends. I would argue that one of the, the most important applications of this is a marriage. Because for some reason we have the tendency to want to go tell everybody else what our spouse did. <laughs> and I don't know why that is. But you won't believe what my spouse did today, you know. <laughs> Careful. You're going to destroy the relationship. And sometimes we couch that in, in, in false terms. Well, well I, I go to uh, my, my girlfriend there, or not me, your girlfriend, your girlfriend, and I, you know, I go to my friend and say, you know, I just don't know what to do, you know. She's driving me up the wall or something like that. I'm being exaggeration, of course. You want to know what to do? Go ask your spouse. You don't need to go ask somebody else. You don't need to bring up these matters to anybody else. You want to know uh, how to fix something? You don't know what to do? I guarantee you somebody will know, and that's your spouse. <laughs> They'll know. They'll know what to do. They'll know how to make the relationship right. You did something you shouldn't have done. Go tell them about it. So often that's the last person we talk to. Realize what happens. We repeat a matter of things that are of an intimate nature in our friendships, in our marriages, and any kind of relationship that we, as he describes here, this close-knit relationship. We go tell that to other people. That's the end of it. That is the destruction of the trust. And you will not be friends. And you will not be close. And so he's warning his son, Solomon is, and saying, be careful. Don't speak of those things to other people. Know the consequence of your inconsiderate actions. If we want to maintain godly friends, watch your words, be considerate, forgive not gossip. Didn't our parents tell us that when we were young? This is what doing here. You know, watch your words, say things nicely, be considerate, all those things. But realize what happens when we don't. And I think this is really important of all these Proverbs, is you and I need to really understand the consequences of what is going to happen if you and I do not act this way. A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. And contentions are like the bars of a fortress. You know what you just said there? You wrong somebody, it is very hard to repair that relationship back to the way it was. That's the description there. It's easier to go conquer a built-up fortress than it is to repair that relationship with one another. It took years for the relationship that I had destroyed with the friend that I talked about, that we've been friends since we were four years old. It took years to put that thing back together. I felt the truth of that problem. It's true. It just can't be the same. When you violate the trust of a friendship like that, you have to realize that's the expectation. And we don't watch our words and we are not considerate and we are not careful with what we are doing and saying toward one another. This will be the end result. And none of us want that. But often none of us recognize that that's exactly what we're doing when we speak the way we speak. We say things we should not say and act ways we should not act. We are absolutely destroying those friendships. 
Finally, I would like to point out, do not turn against helpful friends. You want to maintain godly friendships. Godly friends are going to tell you when you're wrong. And many times we have the tendency to reject those people who tell us exhortations or rebukes or tell us we're doing something that we shouldn't be doing. Somebody tells us we're doing something wrong, usually our reaction is, I don't want to talk to you anymore. Don't talk to me. Don't listen. I don't want to listen anymore. And we will surround ourselves with a bunch of yes men. People who will say, oh, you're doing great, you're doing fine, and all that. And we will not listen to the one true friend who's really trying to help us. We'd rather listen to everybody giving us the flattery, patting us on the back, telling us we're doing a great job. That's what this proverb is saying. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Trustworthy are those wounds. Even though they're having to correct you and rebuke you and try to help you get down the right path, you can trust in those wounds. It hurts. But they're trying to help you. The kisses of the enemy are deceitful. Those are the things we like to hear. We like the kisses. You know, tell me I'm doing great. Tell me I'm doing good. Uh, But it's a lie because you're not doing well. A true friend is going to help. A true friend will say what needs to be said at the proper moment. And that's what makes a lie here so spectacular in the story of Job. Three friends who did not say proper words, who were not the timely friends. Here was one who stood by, allowed these older gentlemen to just go on and on and on toward Job. And young Elihu sits back and watches. And finally, at the end of it all, is able to offer some timely words that begins to help bring Job back to seeing things properly. It's amazing that at the end of Job, everybody is condemned but Elihu. (laughs) <laughs> only Elihu escapes the scathing rebukes of God at the end of needing repentance. And so here we see faithful are the wounds of a friend. Allow people to point these things out. But our, our wounding, our faithful wounding toward our friends, you know how you do that? You sit down in a close, intimate setting And you sit down and you tell them, you know, I I see this going on in your life, whatever it is. I'm really concerned. And the reason I'm bringing it up is because I care about you. The faithful wounds are not, now let me tell everybody else about what I see that person doing. That's not being a friend. That's often how we try to rebuke. We do third-party rebuke. We tell everybody else about what somebody else has done. That's not the way to handle it. We go first to that person and we try to deal with them and try to explain to them what they did. In conclusion, please choose your friends carefully. Evil friends, underline, highlight, will bring you trouble. They will. Every time, they will. These evil friends that we so often want to spend our time with they will bring us troubles. And that means as, as adults, it's, obvious, it's an obvious and easy application toward, toward the younger, to those who have school friends, uh, clearly to be careful of the people you are choosing to spend time with. 
But that also means we have to be careful on the job. We have to be careful in our neighborhood that we are careful at who we spend time with. And we can't always get away from certain people. You know, I, I can't get away from some of my neighbors, right? You know, <laughs> So you have to be careful about that and realize I don't want to spend too much time around these kinds of people and adapt their characteristics. i got to choose my friends carefully. I don't want to become like them. I want to influence them to righteousness, not have them influence me to wickedness. So spend time with people who will make you a better person. That's really important. That's a really good test to lay down toward people who you're trying to decide if you want to spend your time with them, to be companions with them, uh, to be friends with them. Will they make you a better person? It's a good test for marriage, too. Will they make you a better person? That's a good for any relationship. Are they going to make you a better person? God makes us better people. That's why this is a great relationship to be with God. And we need to surround ourselves with people who are going to help us be iron sharpening iron. Finally, seek to build strong relationships with godly people. How do you do this? By being forgiving and being considerate in everything we say and everything we do. We want to build strong godly companions. Then let's try to do that. And that means a great responsibility on each of us individually to say things, to watch our words, to be careful of our actions, to always be considered, to think about the other person's interests above ourselves, think about how things affect others instead of us, really try to walk carefully down that road to build those kind of relationships. I truly believe that God placed local congregations for that purpose so that we would build such strong relationships together so that in the times of difficulty and trouble we would have one another to rely upon so that when we stray away we would have one another to help bring us back so that we would see the examples and leaders that every congregation has so that we can strive to be better people better Christians, better servants that God wants us to be I really believe that's why we're here That's why we need to spend our time together. And that's why we need to make every effort to build relationships one with another so that we can have that connection and closeness. You see that all throughout the book of Acts. They were a tight-knit community in Jerusalem. And that's what we need to be as well. But we can only do that if we act godly, if we speak properly, if we act wisely. That's the only way we can do that. Otherwise, we break trust. And we cannot be that have that excuse me have that relationship that God wants us to have. You pull your song books out, and we're going to sing now an invitation song to you. And the song asks you an extremely important question: and that have you been immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins? Have you been to Jesus? Have you been washed in the blood of the Lamb? We encourage you to think about where you stand with God this morning. We encourage you to see that the wisdom of God brings goodness to your life. And if you will do the things that God decrees, you can have the good life now. That you will be able to avoid a lot of the challenges and difficulties that life presents by watching the tongue and watching our lives and carefully walking the path that God has led. Once you submit your life to God, see that His wisdom is superior to ours. That He's trying to help us to have the good life now. But most importantly to see that he's trying to give us grace and mercy and eternal life at home in heaven one day. Won't you come to Jesus while we stand and while we sing?